Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we invite a guest to revisit pop culture from their childhood to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poland-Clark, and with me is my co-host, Kara Gail O'Regan. Hello. And today our guest is my very good friend, Desiree Curry. Hi, everybody. Desiree chose the TV show Growing Pains, which aired from 1985 to 1992. The show follows the Seavers, an upper-middle-class Long Island family made up of parents Jason and Maggie and kids Mike, Carol, Ben, and in the later seasons, Chrissy. Um, We watched three episodes of this show. We watched the pilot, then we watched uh, the fifth episode of the first season, and we watched, then we skipped ahead a bunch, and we watched the 25th episode of season five. Um, but before we get to those episodes, um, Des, why did you pick this? I picked this because I remember enjoying it a lot as a preteen, watching it on the Disney Channel. Um, I watched it when I was really little, but don't think I quite understood it as much as I did when I was a little bit older. And I just really remember liking the dynamic of the three siblings and thinking that they delved into issues a little bit more deeply than some other children's shows that I watched at the time. Um, And Kara, you'd seen this before, yeah? I'm not sure. I don't know. I Maybe. I, going into this, definitely thought that this show was Family Ties. And I even... (laughs) Like, on Hulu or Amazon, one of those, I, like, typed in family... Ma- Wait, what is this one called? Family Growing Pains. Growing, Growing, Growing Pains. See? They're all the same. Um, I they typed kind of in, are all the same. Yeah, I typed in Growing Pains, and Family Ties came up, and I was like, oh, great, they have it. And then I realized that they were two different shows. So I may or may not have actually watched this uh, growing up. I think... More than anything, I was familiar with it through the lens of, like, Tracy Gold's eating disorder and, like, the movie that they made about it for Lifetime Movie Network, uh, more so than, like, actually watching the TV show, which is a weird way to come to it, I guess. It is, but also, like, a pretty interesting lens, Mm because, like, it sounds like for, like, our reasons, you basically don't remember ever having seen this before. (laughs) Basically, yes. Short answer. I think a lot. I think a lot of this show translates a lot better to being an adult. Um, Even just the subject matter on the show, and also just what happened to a lot of the actors. So I think we should definitely talk about that because everything gets pretty real, both on TV and in real life, with these characters. Mm. It's true. Um, Yeah, I had seen this before. I, I don't really have any memories of watching it, but the moment I turned it on, I was, like, so pumped to be watching it. Like, it was like going home, like, in a way. <laughs> and I and I don't know if it was, like, this show or if it was just, like, because the style of this show is so specific to that time period and, like, that's when I was small and first watching television. Um, but, like, the setup of this show, like you know, family, mom, dad, like, a bunch of kids who all have, like, very specific personalities, um, you know, the, the themes that it touched on are, like, very much the themes of our childhood, I feel like, um, 
and so yeah it just felt like felt like going home it was so familiar i agree with you oh sorry kara no what were you gonna say um i was just gonna say i agree with you um and i think that i I was i grew up in northern new jersey outside of new york city so i think that's also part of why it felt like home because the family was from long island and talked about going to new york and later on carol went to columbia university so i think it all geographically also fit in as being a familiar place um does while you were watching it was there like we'll get into the details of the episodes in a few minutes but was there like one thing or even more than one thing that you were like oh yeah that like like I feel like so often with these shows there's like something that gets like seared into you so that when you see it again you're like oh yeah um so are you asking me about an impression that kind of regenerated as an adult that I once had when I was a kid or a new impression that I had as an adult? Just like anything, just like anything that like touched you while you were watching this. So I think for me, the thing that hit me the most was Maggie Seaver, the mom, um, because the, the whole premise of the show and how it all launches is that she's going back to work after 15 years of caring for her family. And so her being a working mom is something that continually gets burned into our brains throughout the show and personally I'm in the stage of my life where I'm trying to be a career woman and at some point negotiate being a working mom so I think it it just hits really close to home right now where I'm more of the Maggie than the Carol or the Mike or the Ben. Oh yeah you relate with the grown-up now that's so interesting. Absolutely. Um I so that's a good segue into the pilot episode um in the pilot we they basically like beat us over the head with the fact that she's going back to work yeah. or she's yeah. just gone back to work <laughs> um, and and um the dad um uh what's his name Jason uh, Jason Jason played by Alan Thick um has is a psychiatrist who's moved his practice home so that he can take care of the kids which while Maggie what? If, if if I may interrupt uh, in my experience, it has been that uh, psych professionals that keep their practice at home, that's like a huge red flag. <laughs> <laughs> as far as boundaries go, that is like not a great idea. Are you he mean- also like very obviously lets his children listen to yeah. Wait, you mean it's not normal to put a glass next to the door while you have a patient in there? <laughs> Um, so yes, in the first episode, that's what's going on, um, and we meet the kids and kind of like are get, like like are a little bit beat over the head with like their personalities. Um, they're a little bit like not they're not super complex characters at least in the first season. I think it probably gets more 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 complicated as you go along. Um, but so we meet Mike who is played by Kurt Cameron, who is the oldest son, who is, like, you know, smooth, cool, like, ladies' man. Um, And then Carol, who's, like, the middle kid, who is, like, a good student. She's, like, very put together, like, very determined, uh, a little wound up. Uh, And then Ben, who's just, like, the youngest kid, who's, you know, he's the kid. Um, What else happens in the first episode, guys? Uh, let me see. Uh, well, my first note was that he was a psychiatrist, and that's a huge red flag. Um, 
and the theme song. Oh, and uh, Alan Thick is just like immediately horny and awful and stays that way through <laughs> the entire so episode. Pretty much yeah. the whole. They're like gross. No, you go, Des. I was going to say, pretty much the whole series is little yeah. sexual innuendos. Everyone's really frisky it's and constant. Yeah, there's a lot of sexual humor throughout the show. I made a note that at six and a half minutes, I already said, ugh, and rolled my eyes out loud <laughs> three times. Three times. I wrote, I wrote in, in quotes, take your clothes off, which was a real line that he said to his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying um, to fuck his wife the entire constantly. episode. But, like, she's not upset about it. Like, she's a she little loved, annoyed. She, she's a little annoyed, but, like, she clearly, like, has, she loves him, too. Like, she's not. She loves him as he is. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's interesting because the whole first episode, um, the main arc is that Mike gets into trouble because we learn that Mike's a bad boy. And oh, we, right, we kind right. of learn I later remember. on in the episode that Jason, too, was once a bad boy, and that's what attracted his wife to him. So I think he, his little playful friskiness isn't unlike his son's habits now as a 15-year-old. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, is the, like, I'm not smart enough to say what I'm about to say, or, like, I just don't have enough information, but, like, I feel like, I feel like part of the reason they were, like, beating us on the head with the working mom thing is because that was, like, not a new thing. It wasn't a new thing, because this was, like, the mid-80s, but it also still wasn't, like, a, I don't know, how much of a thing was that? That's a really good question that I was also trying to figure out. I don't... I don't know the answer. I don't either, but I suspect that... I don't know how it was portrayed in TV shows, but I would suspect that in real life, um, a lot of women in 1985 were probably raising their families and having guilt about going back to work if they were already... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and we all, we all grew up, like, the same, around the same place that you did, Des, like, you know, northern New Jersey, like, which is basically Long Island, except it's New Jersey. Um, so I How think, dare you, Jordan, like, really? No, I know, that's bad. I shouldn't, never mind, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> um, but it, um, you know, I think, like, where we grew up, that was a thing like most of my friends parents worked both of their parents worked um made a few friends whose moms stayed home but i don't think that was the norm so i think it was probably different in different places but where we where we were from that was pretty normal i think and i know in my case my mom went back to work when i was little so she was at home for my older sister and I agree with you that a lot of my friends my age, their parents were all working, but I, I wonder if that's just being a second child thing or... <laughs> yeah, because my mom went back to work when I was in middle school, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, I take back what I said. My mom went back to work when I was like six months old, <laughs> um, which I guess maybe is like a lot earlier than people that I knew. I mean, I was two, so, you know, my sister, my yeah, older sister would have been six. Early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it totally, it depends on, you know, if you have somebody somebody else to care for the children, what your income level is, like, can you take that much time at work? Some yeah. people get no paid time off and have to, like, go to work two days after giving birth, you know? So, oh, yeah. sure. and I imagine it was, like, even worse back then. So, 
I think it was probably a mix of experiences, but um, like that part of it uh, was very familiar to me. Same here. Um, so, like Des started to say in the first episode, I feel like the main storyline is that like Mike, the oldest son, wants to go to this this club. This un- they called it an under twenty club, which <laughs> seems weird now. <laughs> But maybe there is a reason then. I don't know. The, wasn't the drinking age still 18 in the 80s? No, that changed in the 70s. When did it change? It was the 70s? Yeah. All right. Um, so he wanted to go to this under 20 club. He wanted to go with his friend who had a car and hits dogs with his car. That was that episode, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I love that Like every time he mentions somebody, the mom is like, that person and then she has some sort of terrible moniker for them (laughs) like i think in the second episode she was like jerry i swear she looked 18 delish yes (laughs) yes great yeah i like her a lot and they went to house of sweat just so we can place house of sweat that's what the club was called (laughs) yeah so he so but um yeah but so you know mom's out working and you know jason wants to set Mike free a little bit. He wants to give him the opportunity to earn some trust, so he says, okay, you can go. Um, So he goes, his friend gets really drunk, um, and so instead of, like, calling someone for a ride, Mike decides to drive the car um, and hits a cop car and gets arrested um, and gets taken to the fakest jail I've ever seen. (laughs) It's made of paper. (laughs) Uh, paper and cardboard and there's like one of my favorite parts of this episode was um the whole family goes down to the police station to bail Mike out of jail um and when they walk in there's a bunch of people um like sitting at desks talking to police officers you know there's like a few different desks and like you know a person talking to a cop at each one and they're all talking but not making any sound (laughs) like there's there's clearly sound in the police station because we can hear the Seavers talking, but the other people speaking are completely silent as if they're just mouthing their words, which I think they might be. It's, the only <laughs> thing that would have been missing from that scene would be someone sitting in the cell banging a metal cup against all of the bars. <laughs> just the most stereotypical jail, <laughs> jail in action yeah. scene. <laughs> Right, so they bail him out. They go home. They have a heart to heart. And he, uh, Jason gets mad because he can't find his pajamas. <laughs> this is another he thing does, that like... they do over and over again. Oh, do so, they? Yeah. So in the in the next episode, when when Maggie is mad about something, she's also in the kitchen opening and closing doors exactly the same way that he was with his pajamas. And he's like, I think you're mad. She's like, I'm not mad. I just can't find the whatever. (laughs) Like, they both have the exact same behavior, which I thought was hilarious. Interesting. And maybe for a little Um, kid who's less intuitive and watching, they might think, hmm, something really must be wrong under the surface. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and so so then they have a great heart to heart at the end which I think is like one of one of the things that I like that makes that I I remember the most from these kinds of shows. Like they have a really 
like clear structure I feel like it goes like blah 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 happy family conflict happens heart to heart moment mm-hmm. shows over right absolutely um so that was the pilot what does anyone else have any good notes from the pilot there was one thing I noticed actually during the pilot and it's that when when Jason and Maggie found out about Mike getting in trouble um Jason took it a lot more hard than Maggie did and he said well aren't you just so mad at him and Maggie said well yeah I'm mad at him but he's a kid and he does this all the time and I just think that's so interesting because Jason's a psychiatrist and he's the dad and yet he gets so much more emotionally distraught by his son being a jackass than the mom who just totally expects it of him yeah well I think what she actually said was like um I'm no more mad than I've been, you know, half a dozen times for other things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think it's it's more that, like, because he's new to being, like, the primary parent at home. Mm-hmm. Like, he hasn't been there for all of the other times that Mike has acted like a jackass. You know, so he just has nothing to, like, compare it to. And, and that's why he's, like, that much more upset. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's basically like, yep, nope, this is just what he does. Standard operating procedures. Boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's like, I want a mom like her one day. She's so calm. Wait, you want a mom like her or you want to be a mom No, like I want her? two mom okay. like her. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you don't have many <laughs> options <laughs> from here moving no, I forward. think she's a good mom. I do, too. I absolutely do, too. Um, so that was the pilot episode. Um, after that, we watched season one, episode five. So we skipped ahead in time a little bit, but not a ton. Um, we basically find them without much change they're still like trying to figure out how to manage the fact that mom just went back to work and the dad is still at home um and i feel like this must be the first episode where where jason has like his like triumphant parenting moment like he won at parenting in this episode um what happened in this one the only thing that i really wrote down is that uh, the mom is still cooking breakfast and dinner, even though she's working full time. And oh, also, okay. I hear that you have things to say about that. <laughs> also, a question of why are these children gambling with three question marks? Gambling? Was that not this episode? Yes, that's the I, that's the episode where G. Where I, we might have a snafu here. Um. Well, here's what happened in this episode. That might have been the next episode, I guess, then. Um, in this episode, Carol comes home from school, and she's, like, super pissed. She's, like, really upset. And, oh, right, right, right. And Jason's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she's like, can I talk to mom? Like, can I call mom at work? And so she calls Maggie at work, and Maggie can't talk, so he kind of, like, gets it out of her what's wrong. And it's that this guy at school called her a gummy bear. <laughs> Um, like I said, she looked like a gummy bear or something. Um, so they talk it over and he actually, I think does a good job of really like getting her out of her, whatever she's in. Um, and then, so then they have like this kind of like new bond where like he had never dadded her like that before, it seems like. Um, and Maggie gets all pissed off about it because now she feels like she's missing everything and she's kind of jealous. 
That's what this episode was about, right? You know, I think the episodes that I was watching might have been mislabeled. So I watched I watched oh, no. the same one that Kara watched. I watched Carol's article, which was about the gambling as well. Yeah. Oh, no. I must so have watched them in a different place up. than you guys. <laughs> I must have screwed it up. All right. Well, that's the episode that I watched. Oh, and that's why you guys don't remember Maggie um, slamming um, yeah. drawers and silverware. No, I feel like someone's slamming something in this episode too. It might be Carol though, I, because Carol yeah, does a lot of really happens in every app. Yeah. All right, you guys tell me what episode I was supposed to watch. Um, uh, Carol's article is the episode, and should I talk about it or do you want to talk about it, Carol? No, you probably have a better memory than I do. So um, the premise of the episode is that Carol is auditioning for the school newspaper. And she takes it very seriously, writes this very wordy article about um, clam digging and (laughs) uses a lot of really big $5 words and asks her mom, Maggie, to review it for the next day just to get her input because she's a journalist. And Maggie obviously feels that it's not clear and direct as though a journalist article should be. So she tries to very gently talk to Carol about it and make some suggestions and gives her a book on the introduction to journalism. And as you can imagine, that doesn't go over very well with Carol. So um, throughout that episode, um, Carol does audition. The teacher is also very disappointed with her work, but because she's the only person who can spell he gives her the position. <laughs> um, so a whole lot of back and forth between Carol and Maggie happened in that episode about being supportive and also being able to give and receive criticism without hurting someone's feelings. Um, so there's a lot of hugging and talking about conflict resolution in that as well. And the side storyline is that the boys are in a gambling ring and Jason reverse psychologizes them into losing all of their money because he wants them to learn a le- lesson about gambling. Except that, like, I feel like they're pretty okay with the kids gambling. <laughs> <laughs> like, because, like, they're talking about it at the breakfast table and you would think the parents would be like, what are you, the, what? Your children, stop gambling, or something like that. And instead, they're, like, a little... Like you said, he's, like, trying to reverse psychology him, but at the same time, once the kids leave the room, I think the two parents actually make a bet between each other. Yep. (laughs) Maybe that happens later in the episode, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, a lot of gambling. Yes. (laughs) And to spoil all the fun, the boys do end up losing all their money. Um, so the parents do win in the end in teaching their lesson about not being able to gamble. So there's something else I'd like to talk about in the episode, and it's towards the end when they find out that the horse that they were betting on lost the race because of some physical impairment that happened during the race, but as a result, they I, I don't remember the exact term, but they made it so that the horse would now just serve its purpose of impregnating other women horses um, oh, yeah. because of its broken leg. 
And there's a joke at the end where Mike, who's in the kitchen during this discussion, responds to that by pretending that he has a broken leg. So as though to say that his, <laughs> his parents can now relegate him to impregnating other women as his sole purpose. Um, just to continue on yeah. that theme of raciness. Yeah, well, so shockingly, Jordan, like, really enjoyed this. And the entire time I was watching these episodes, and I also watched, like, a few extra from other seasons just to, like, get a feel for, like, is the whole show like this? Spoiler alert. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Um, and, I, like, the whole time I was watching this, I was like, oh, man, Jordan's going to be so pissed. <laughs> and it turns out she loved it. So it was I I did love it. And I. It was one of those things that, like, like I feel like I've had, like, a really critical eye lately with everything mm-hmm. that we've watched. Yeah. But, like, this was one of those things that I just, like, had a really hard time. I would have had to go into it with that mindset and that mindset alone um, to to be able to see those things. And I, I, I'm sure they're really easy to see. But, like, I just had fun watching it and, like... It's really You're goofy. Right. It's- You're right. <laughs> but I like, I legitimately laughed at it. Mm-hmm. The, the people that I was watching with legitimately laughed at it. And one of them hadn't even ever seen it before. Like it wasn't nostalgia. Like he actually just thought it was funny. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I know that's like very the opposite of how I've been reacting to pretty much everything we've been watching lately and this is maybe something that like deserves it the most in some ways um because they are kind of gross mm-hmm. um, i i felt like scandalized by by watching it i was like this is inappropriate so there's it's- also no subtlety to any of it yeah. like i think we're now used to like being treated as if we're a little bit smarter than this show treats us like we are yeah that's a fair point yeah and actually i've been i've been watching a lot of shows family shows from the 80s and 90s lately um particularly fresh prince and full house and there's really ridiculous racy humor in all of them that is not subtle and really corny um but i think that was also just a common theme in shows at that time not that i'm saying it's necessarily correct or not but um it's it's something i've been noticing a lot that maybe i just didn't pick up on when i was a kid well and when you like like uh mike siever reminds me of zach morris Mm -hmm. a lot so like when i think about like the kinds of i mean i guess it was mostly like dudes that we were like watching on these tv shows um like that's just how they were you know like they were adorably cute um they were bad news but they always got away with it you know yep um and we were still meant to like them at the end like nobody ever made them look like the bad guy for doing bad shit even though they were they were doing bad stuff and actually- they weren't nice to other people they were entitled they you know Yes, and and actually Mike is probably one of the main reasons why I watched the show as a kid. Not because, I don't remember whether I had a crush on him or not. I I don't think I did. Um, But he was also the comic relief because everybody else kind of has their issues. I know Ben is a little bit of a relief too, but he doesn't have much of a personality apart from just being the quirky little brother. And I feel like Mike is 
the bad boy. His best friend's name is Boner. Like, you know, <laughs> he just, you know, he's just like the cool kid that everybody, every kid wants to be. Like, no one wants to be a Carol. I was a Carol. I still am a Carol. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a Carol for life. Right, but but you don't want to see yourself as a Carol. You want to see yourself as the Mike, you know? Or I'm not, I'm sorry. I don't mean to project what you wanted to see yourself as, but. <laughs> no, maybe I, I might be the boner, <laughs> no, actually. But, but can you, like, I also feel like part of the problem then is, like, people's reaction to the Carol. Because everyone's like, oh, could you just, like, be less Carol and more Mike? You know? Right. And, like, there's nothing wrong with being the Carol. Like, she's got her shit together, you know? But the Carol... She's good at stuff, and she's smart, and, like, but nobody was ever, like, commended for, like, for that. It was always kind of just, like, uh, the smart girl who has her stuff together. I I don't know. Absolutely, and and even if you think about now, Modern Family, there's Alex, who's totally the Carol of the modern TV scene, and think of how they portray her. She's super competitive and not very loose and fun and she's super uptight and you know there's a lot of good qualities in that but it's certainly not the most fun character that is easy to identify with when you're watching a show well and they feel like they're often made the butt of the joke in a way that's not they're not in on the joke like the people are making fun of them totally you know and the Jesse Cause, Spano. Because they're not people who are going to be in on a joke. <laughs> right. Know? Absolutely. And think about Jesse Spano from Saved by the Bell if we're talking about the Zach yeah. Morris. Yeah, totally. Carol is totally the Jesse of the equation. And she was on speed. I mean, who? <laughs> only in that one episode. She was only very excited in that one episode. She learned her lesson. <laughs> um, so, like, we're talking about kind of like the 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 dirty content of this show like the underlying like um which like I found like so we skipped from season one to season five um and like the big thing or like one of the big like things that people know about this like that they still remember now I feel like is like Kirk Cameron turned really religious in the middle of it Mm -hmm. um like I think it was after the second season maybe he became like a born again Christian and like wanted all the content to be really clean. And like, there's like rumors that like he got a girl fired from the show because she had posed in Playboy and that like the producers were tired of putting up with him. So a bunch of them quit. Like, it's hard to tell how true any of that was, but like, it sounds true. I mean, have you seen or heard Kirk Cameron lately? He is yeah, a nightmare. I know. Yes. Yeah. So, but so, like, I was surprised, like, because I knew that going into the season five episode, like, I was surprised it, it didn't seem like much had changed. No, it didn't. And, and in fact, the yeah, because the season oh. five episode, like, his little brother uh, is making, that's the one with the video for school, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's making this video for school just so that he can kiss and grope a girl in his class. And he even uses the word grope. They use the word grope. Purpose. She says it too. She's like, You groped me. No. Like in that in that context it's appropriate when he's like, I'm just trying to grope you, that's when it's not appropriate. Yeah, like if everyone can agree that it was groping, like maybe everyone can agree that it wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. 
But hey, it was the 80s. Or I guess it was the early 90s by then. Whatever. Anyway, well, that that's a good segue, like, into that, this batshit crazy season five episode. Um, does someone want to try to explain this, or do you want me to? Do, go ahead and explain. Okay, so in this episode, we've skipped ahead about four or five years, so everyone's much older. I couldn't quite get a grasp based on this where Mike and Carol were with their lives because it was mostly a Ben episode. Um, and they now have a little baby sister, Chrissy, who was like one or two in this. She was really small, still still a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this episode, Ben is now probably like a freshman in high school. He's older. Um, and he's making a video for his English class. And it seems that the sole purpose of making this video was so that he could get a bunch of girls to put on bathing suits and that he could kiss one of them. Um, but the plot of the video that he uses to make all that happen is bonkers crazy. Um, he has like, he has Mike and, uh, Mike and Carol dress up like their parents and they like are driving a car and they buy an alligator that has only one eye and then flush it down a toilet and then like skipping a bunch of plot that doesn't matter (laughs) a bunch of years later uh, it turns out a lot of people bought alligators and flushed them down toilets and now they're coming back and attacking everybody um so I think that's the plot of the movie that he's trying to make, and somehow he's trying to work in girls and bikinis, and he wants to kiss one of them. Um, oh, and the like side plot of the movie is that um, Ben stars in it, except everybody keeps keeps forgetting who he is. Like his parents keep forgetting who he is, and his teacher keeps forgetting who he is, and his best friend keeps forgetting who he is. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of the plot of this, except it's just, like, so bonkers crazy. I don't even know how to explain what this video ends up like. Um, But the whole family ends up sitting down to watch it together, and they all have, like, kind of their own takeaway for, like, what Ben was trying to say with this video. Mm -hmm. Like, Maggie reads really deep into it. She's like, oh, he thinks that we forget about him and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, the men are like, no, he just wants to kiss the girl. Like, (laughs) that's all. That's all it is. Um, But the very best part of the video is there's one part where he is making a phone call um, on a payphone. And it looks like it's a fake payphone. And he's tried to write the word public, um, I guess, to indicate that it's a public telephone. But instead, he's written the word pubic. That's exactly the reason I wanted to revisit that episode. Because I was so hoping it was the reason. <laughs> yep, because when I was a kid, I remember watching that and thinking, is that okay to put on TV? And somehow that has stuck with me forever. And that's exactly why I picked that episode, because I, I just wanted to see what that looked like as a 30-year-old woman. <laughs> what did it look like as a 30-year-old woman? Um, well, I mean, in the context of the rest of the episode... It looked really um, normal because the whole episode was about really weird, sexy scenes. Um, and, you know, they were in class in their bathing suits because they were going to the beach later. <laughs> so I guess it all fit together, but um, 
it's totally ridiculous and um, I can appreciate how in the end Jason was saying you know we all need to have a discussion about respecting women and that came up a whole bunch of times but I mean the entire episode is like horny teenager manifested in his class film yeah that's about it <laughs> I thought that like even given the weirdness of the video and and that storyline like writing the word pubic and leaving it on the screen for an entire minute was so strange <laughs> just like so strange visually visually confusing and like i said I, when i would have rewatched this show i would have been maybe 10 years old so if i was confused then i'm sure it's all confused now too <laughs> Yeah, like, looking back at it, it all just seems, I don't know. It's, like, it's a weird mix of, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is actually good writing. I like this. And then sometimes I'm like, ugh, this is horrible. It's so bad. But, like, to me, that's almost how I remember being a 13-year-old or freshman in high school. Not, I mean, I certainly never starred in any movies in my bathing suit. Um, <laughs> but... The people, every everyone growing up, we were all little thirsty for sexual innuendos and everything, at least the people I knew. Yeah. Like, you know, someone in the class had boobs and it was all anyone ever talked about. Like, we were all figuring it out. Yeah. Um, does anyone else have anything to say about this episode? Uh, some good George H.W. Bush and Dan Quayle jokes. Yes, <laughs> there were. It's true. It was actually interesting because the, um, the website that I found these on, just because they weren't streaming on Hulu or Amazon or anything, but the website that I was watching them on had a lot of uh, this being election day, the day that we're recording this, a lot of local politics commercials um, or local election commercials uh built in with the video stream oh. uh which was really weird just a lot of really loud local election <laughs> commercials for people i had never heard of that's interesting yeah can i add something that i picked up on in the episode yeah um so there was one part when the when the whole family sat down to watch the movie together and jason i believe said what you made this rated r and ben said what no kid wants to watch a movie unless it's rated r and then mike walks in and finds out that it's rated r and says oh okay well cool let's watch it then and yeah. uh, <laughs> i just i really like that because it's it's just little clever things like that where I feel like maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but in my mind I said, yeah, they're commenting on society and how we're also programmed to react to this a certain way and Mike just proved our point. Um, maybe it's not as deep as that, but <laughs> I thought it was a clever little exchange. I mean, I think that's also like a good, a good like shows you the sibling bond too because you could also look at it like he basically learns about what's cool in the world through his older brother yes so if that's what his older brother thinks that's what he thinks you know and he totally acts like mike acted like mike yeah. in this episode i even wrote that down that ben five years later is totally like a mini mike now 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was very clear going from watching a season one episode to season five. There's also something that um, I didn't have time to research, but the woman or the young girl that Ben wanted to grope and or kiss in the episode, I feel like she was in Ladybugs. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just didn't have the energy to find out the name of this actress that I'd never seen before and find out whether she was one of the other actresses I'd never seen before in Ladybugs, but there might be a link there. Uh, we should watch Ladybugs for this one day. I actually watched I don't know it. If I know what that is. It's a movie starring Rodney Dangerfield, where oh god, what's that kid's name? Jonathan Brandis. Where Jonathan Brandis has to pretend to be a girl. To be on a soccer team, is that right? Oh, Jack Hay is in it. I'm, I'm there. I revisited it uh, about a year or two ago, and I can confidently tell you that it does not hold up, especially, oh, no. <laughs> especially given certain climates around sexual identity. Um, oh, I'm sure it's so messed up. Yeah, um, watching it now. But the basis is that Rodney Dangerfield. Um, has to create a winning soccer team in order to receive a promotion and impress his boss. And the team is so bad that he has to have his stepson, Matthew, pose as a girl to be the star player of the team. (sighs) Oy vey. So if you want to see Rodney Dangerfield dress up as a woman, this movie is for you. There's... So I feel like when we go back to, like, the 80s or, like, early 90s... I often end up writing notes that are like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Oh, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> there wasn't a ton in the, like the tone of this definitely wouldn't fit in now. Yeah. But there wasn't a ton in this that I was like, oh, that would never happen on TV now. I don't think. Did you guys pick up on anything? No, I, I didn't really. No, no, I don't think so. And, and also I've, I've uh, journeyed into the occasional two and a half men um, binge while channel surfing at 5 p.m. when I'm done with work early, and um, I think it's far less racy than that. <laughs> so, and Two and a Half Men is fairly recent, and it's still on TV. So, I'm revealing a lot about myself here, guys. I'm sorry. I watch really <laughs> trashy TV. <laughs> it's okay. That's what the podcast is for. Yeah. Um, so Carrie, you mentioned earlier, like, I feel like the other thing that, like, was an unfortunate lasting legacy of this show is that Tracy Gold, who played, um, Carol, was anorexic, like, very anorexic for Mm -hmm. basically this whole, the whole time that this show was on. And I didn't hear it in, besides when somebody called her a gummy bear, um, she was apparently, like, kind of, like, uh, the target of a bunch of like fat jokes written into the show. Yeah, that was apparently in season four. So she had actually been struggling with disordered eating like since she was about seven years old. So that actually predates the show. But between yeah. season three and season four during the hiatus, she gained a little weight. And so like throughout season four, like the brothers on the show just are like making constant fat jokes at her. Um, and so that like led to an escalation of her eating disorder and she was hospitalized in 1992. Um, 
and they had to said, write her out of the show for a season. Yeah, and she said that uh, like the group therapy for eating disorders at that time, she just like learned better ways, like learned how to be better at having an eating disorder um, in therapy instead of like actually getting any better. And um, at, at a certain point, like after she came back to the show after her hospitalization she was then suspended from the show because of her appearance that she was like too skinny and skeletal looking which is so fucked up well something i read i don't remember what it was so i don't know how true this is it might have just been like wikipedia somewhere but like something i read said that like she the show or like someone to do with the show like put her on a diet like a monitored diet i saw that 500 calories a day so she could lose weight yeah that's messed up but so then yeah i feel like i also became very familiar with her because of that lifetime movie like Mm -hmm. i watched that lifetime movie so many times when i was young i never i never saw the movie well she there were two movies there was a movie that she was in which was about a young woman with an eating disorder and then they also made a movie about her and i don't think she was in that one but both of them had some heavy rotation i didn't know there was a second one the one about her? Yeah, definitely. Hang on. Yeah. Let me see if I can find oh, it. Interesting. Maybe about Tracy. Might have been based on her memoir. So For the Love of Nancy is the one that she was in. That came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see. Unless I imagined the second one. Because For the Love of Nancy is, like, the only <laughs> stuff that's coming up right now. Um, but I definitely saw that so many times. Uh, I just remember, like, I actually have, like, that movie seared in my head better than I have this show seared in my head. Yeah. And there's a part in the movie, this is really all I remember about the movie, actually. I remember her running a lot. And there's, like, a scene where she's, like just like sitting on at her house and she's eating lettuce but like one leaf at a time just like really methodically like measuring it and eating it and it's just like that is stuck in my brain i'm looking at a different movie on imdb right now and you know how there's that section of like people who liked this also liked and it's just all eating disorder movies it's really upsetting Well, that doesn't um, sound too dissimilar from Carol's character anyway, because she does play someone who likes to be in control and mm-hmm, have it yeah. together. So it is really interesting, especially as someone who wasn't privy to her eating disorder at the time. Um, I don't know. It's I wonder how that felt to be playing a character like that while she was battling her own yeah. eating disorder and issues with that. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I, there was also, I mean, the only time I think that they like acknowledged it on the show was that she was like looking at a funhouse mirror with her friend and like describing what it was like to see this like distorted image of herself. But that was the only time they ever actually like acknowledged it, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they didn't make a movie. A separate movie. I don't know. There was a lot of eating disorder content on Lifetime. Uh, oh, sure. In, like, the early aughts. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there was also something interesting that I learned about Boner. I don't know if you guys <sighs> read this, but he actually killed himself. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Um, later in life, which is terribly sad because if you think about the number of characters on that show that had some pretty serious real life issues, um, he's another one of them. Yeah. And Ben too, the younger brother, who's what's his real name? Jeremy. Jeremy Miller um, has also spoken openly about being an alcoholic when he was older. He didn't. He didn't do so hot either. Yeah. So. What was going on on that set? I mean, it's. I. F- I feel like it's got to be a child actor thing. Yeah, I guess that's a bad, <laughs> bad foundation to build off of. Well, what Kirk Cameron did fine because he found God. Um, that fucking guy. <laughs> um, he also met his wife on the show. I saw that. I didn't know they were married in real life, but the woman who played his girlfriend, Chelsea... Yeah, the woman who played his girlfriend after he got the other woman fired. Right. What's her name? For being in Playboy. Chelsea something... I don't remember. I'm looking at Chelsea Noble. Yes. I didn't realize that they were married. Oh, oh my goodness. I can't believe that we haven't mentioned this yet. Leonardo DiCaprio was... I was getting right. there. Okay. Getting there. All right. So, well. like, late late in the show, in, like, the seventh season, whatever the last season was, it, it to try to, like, boost ratings, they were like, oh, we need a, a like cool new teen kid so they hired Leonardo DiCaprio um who played like a homeless kid who the Seavers took into their house um to live with them it didn't work and the show got cancelled after that I was not a fan of of his um cameo on the show I I was a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan especially when I was re-watching this show around 10 years old. And I remember being really disappointed with his performance and character. Why? Because he was just such a snot. He was just... He was. He was just... You know, he... Like, Mike was a bad kid, but he had a funny way of being a bad kid. But um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character's name... I can't think of his name on the show right now. Um... But he was just, he was just no fun. He was just mean, I thought. Luke Brower was Luke. his name on the show. Yeah, I watched a couple of clips of him today. I didn't watch any full episodes, but, like, I kind of felt the same way. He just, it, you know, it was the same kind of, like, Zach Morris, Mike Seaver character. Um, but less fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The clips I watched, I felt like he was, like, making fun of Carol. I don't know. I didn't like it. He was just mean-spirited, I thought. Um, another famous person who guest starred on the show was Matthew Perry. Yep. Yeah. Sandy. Um, yep, he played Carol's boyfriend, who died because oh, he was in a drunk driving accident. Ugh. He drove drunk and died. Yeah, that That's was sad. another really real episode on that show. A lot of... Drinking and driving. Well, that was... I feel like that was... Not that it's, like, not a huge issue now, but, like... 
that was maybe when um, that Mothers Against Drunk Driving group formed. Yeah, that seems about right. When like um, when we were young. Yeah, I just I googled it real quick. Was okay. Never mind. It was founded in 1980. But I feel like like the <laughs> the public conversation about driving while intoxicated like really started to gain a lot of steam in like the mid 90s, early mid 90s, maybe. Or maybe that's just like when I started hearing about it because I started talking about it in health class. Who knows? Yeah, it's hard to know about some of that stuff because I wonder if I was an adult in the 90s if I'd know what all the cool campaigns were at the time. I don't mean cool, yeah. but um, of the time, I guess. Yeah. Some other uh, famous people who are famous now but maybe weren't at the time that had cameos on the show, we got some Brad Pitt. We got mm. some... Uh, who else did I see on this list? Uh, Heather Graham, yeah. Hillary Swank, uh, Robin Thicke, the son of Alan Thicke. Ooh, I did not see him on those. Yeah, he was only on like a couple. Of, like, he was like a boy at a party, so he wasn't like necessarily <laughs> guest star. Boy in extra. bathing suit number three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Candace Cameron, who is the sister of. What's his face? Kurt Cameron. Yes, thank you. Oh, Annette Funicello uh, was in an episode as a teacher. Christy Swanson, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was also <laughs> in one episode. Oh my god, even Jenny Lewis was in an episode. Whoa. Yeah. A real who's who of who was in Los Angeles at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this the this list is inc- incredibly long. There have been so many people that guest like guested on the show. Most of them I've never heard of. Was well, what shows were on at the same time as this? Like this is is this the same time as Full House? Yes, I think so. I think Full House might have started a little bit later, but they were definitely, like, contemporaries Mm -hmm. at at a certain point. And Family Ties, too, I think. And there's actually, like, a lot of Family Ties jokes in this show, like, in the episodes that I watched. I forget what they said, but there were, like, a few times that they made references to that other show because they're basically the same show. I felt like this was, like, opposite family ties. Yeah. Like, Like, they might have even been on at the same time. I don't know. Like, like in the same time slot. This says family ties was 90, or, sorry, 82. Oh, okay. So it was on a little earlier. But but they did overlap, because it was on for seven seasons. Um, But I felt like, like... This might just be dumb because I'd never have watched Family Ties. I know, like, minimal things about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like Mike Seaver was, like, the anti, like, Alex Keaton. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, definitely. Because he was, like, Alex Keaton was all, like, conservative and, like, and, like, Mike Seaver is just the complete opposite of that. Like, they're all, like, super liberal on this show. Like, I don't know. I never watched Family Ties. I wondered if it was a comment on that. I'm sure. I mean, there were enough jokes that it was, like, very obviously self-aware in that way. Yeah. I think The Cosby Show was also on at that time, probably. Mm-hmm. Possibly Fresh Prince. They might have started a little bit later. I don't know. Oh, if- yeah, that's around the same. 
I'm just trying to think of what else I was watching at that time. Oh, Charles in Charge. Oh. Mm. And all of them had the same theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because really, I, the theme song to the show, like, it, it's almost like a parody of yes. a theme song from an '80s family sitcom. I was, I had, I've always had a very visceral reaction to that song, and um, it always made me want to cry and be really emotional when I was a kid. Really? And when I Aww. when I rewatched it this time, I had the same feeling that it never left. Um, it's just so emotional to me, like musically and also lyrically mm -hmm. for me. I think visually too, like not in the first season. Um, the first season just had like random like drawings of families. Yeah. Like they seemed super weird and didn't really seem to relate to anything but by the later seasons they had like they would go through each cast member and show like a baby picture and then a little older and a little older and then they would show them now mm -hmm. and like that I really liked me too and I think I think that's part of what resonated with me a lot as a kid was the whole growing up nostalgia thing and also I was a kid who did not grow up with a very strong family dynamic you know my parents were divorced and I was a latchkey kid so this was my window into what it's like to grow up with a mom and dad and brothers and sisters. Um, yeah. Or I guess brother and sister, depending on. This made me, like, when we were talking about earlier, like, about the parents being good parents, it made me wonder because because we watched a lot of shows like that right where like everybody messes up and then everybody talks it out and apologizes mm -hmm. like i wonder if there was like part of me that was like waiting for me for like waiting for my parents to like behave that way <laughs> except like nobody yeah. really behaves that way like nobody's that yeah. good at communicating like not real people <laughs> um but like did we like I I wonder this a lot like how much did our expectations basically get screwed yeah. from watching stuff when we were young totally though I have to yeah. say I do implement the talking it out and making up um um whatever system with my friends and family and young people younger than me um with you know, yeah. my husband and friends and my two little nephews when when they get in trouble for something you know, we, we talk about it, we hug, we say we're sorry. Um, so maybe it just trained us to be better TV sitcom parents for our own future <laughs> generations. But, but I, I totally ascribe to that philosophy now. I mean, I think I, I definitely have always been waiting for sitcom parents that are never going to be that. <laughs> sure. For sure. Right. So anyone have any other notes? that are good to talk about? I'm reviewing. Oh, I think in the first episode, uh, Jason, like, drugged the other two children to fall asleep so they could have sex. <laughs> or so he says. <laughs> yeah, or so he says. And, like, that's fine. Like, the mom isn't even that mad. 
Oh, this show also did a thing that, like, the Fresh Prince did, which is that they had a baby, and then in one season aged the baby, like, five years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they did They did it on Modern Family, too, actually. Like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but at the same time, like, working with babies is impossible, so they might as well. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, five-year-olds are much more interesting. Like, you can actually yeah. kind of make them a character. It's just, yeah. like, really weird that we all, like make that leap together mm-hmm. like the same way that sometimes they just like replace an actor on like they did in Fresh Prince right yeah um who they and we're all just Fresh like yep Prince. the mom Aunt Viv yeah oh really yeah did not know that would any of you watch more episodes of this show having seen these three or four I did 100% yeah I did actually I watched like I said a bunch of different episodes from different seasons but it was less like I want to watch more of this than I was just like is it really all like this <laughs> I didn't Wait, I so didn't enjoy it talk, to be honest talk what do you do you want to talk more about that because I feel like you like gave a really specific example before of like the mom was still making the breakfast yeah. and dinner even though like like did you like what other stuff like that did you pick up on Um, just, like, little stuff like that where it was, like, really clear to me that even though Jason claims that now that I'm in charge at home, um, that, like, he might be the parent that is there the most, but she's still doing considerably more domestic work than him, even Mm -hmm. though she's also working full time, Mm -hmm. which is a thing that I'm not a huge fan of. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Because it just, you know, women always do considerably more around the house, or generally speaking, considerably more around the house. They do more emotional labor. And that you definitely see happening between her and her kids. There's like this huge contrast between how Jason interacts with the kids and how she interacts with the kids. And you actually see that in the very first episode um, where... I think, like, Jason has an interaction with the kids, which is very, like, masculine. And then it cuts to a scene with... What's the mom's name? Maggie. Maggie. I feel like such an idiot or an asshole for not remembering that. And then it cuts to Maggie and the youngest son having this, like, really tender um, moment between the two of them. And that contrast is is so huge. Um, And, like, I'm sure to a certain extent that was you know, in the pilot episode, painting with a very broad brush because that was, you know, what they had to work with. But, like, I saw that a lot of her just doing a lot more in the home than her husband, who supposedly is supposed to be, you know, that's his domain now. And actually, you just reminded me because in that scene where she kissed Ben's boo-boo, he then said, why did you have to go back to work, Mom? And she said, well, imagine if you had to stay inside for 15 years and you weren't allowed to go out and play. She said that's how adults feel about work. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And and I really identify with that um, in my own life because I left my career to start my own business and hopefully be a working woman who has it all. And um, I know that feeling of going crazy because you can't do something for yourself. And I'm not yeah. even a mother. So yeah. imagining 15 years is really scary for me. Yeah. I think I just, I get so frustrated when I watch these older things that have these 
what should be outdated gender roles and yet I look around and see that like so little has changed you know yeah it's pretty the same though every time I watch an episode of Designing Women I which is one of my favorite shows of all time but every time I watch an episode I'm just tearing my hair out like we've made no progress in 25 (laughs) years though I do you did just remind me though I wonder what you two think about um, the dress on the show, because it was in the 80s and 90s, so I'm not sure if it was just a general style thing, but I feel like Maggie Seaver was a lot less sexy on TV Mm -hmm. than they make a lot of moms now, which is kind of Um, interesting. Yeah, I think I can say based on all of the late 80s, early 90s media that we've consumed recently, that's just how people dressed. Okay. It was not a sexy time. No. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like the last thing that we did was Jurassic Park and Laura Linney is wearing those like baggy cargo shorts right, right. and like Laura I, Dern. I still think yeah I always get the two of them mixed up Laura Dern and she's La- so gorgeous and so beautiful and she like, is and was, she looks hot was, like yeah regardless. <laughs> like, just her clothes were terrible not yeah. flattering at all no it's just something um, to think about now though I feel like you know, moms on TV, even if they are working, wear things that I would never wear to work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And actually, I I think one thing that uh, did actually kind of pop out at me is that, like, Alan Thicke in his prime was was a pretty good-looking guy. Whereas, like, in so many sitcoms since then and now, you have this, like, schlubby Homer Simpson type with this, like, gorgeous brilliant woman mm. you know mm-hmm. but like that at least was not the case here <laughs> yeah that's really like, they were on like the same matched. level of attractiveness or whatever same level of intelligence and like capability and same level of sexual desire which happened <laughs> over breakfast every morning and <laughs> <laughs> ugh, ugh. oh my god i wrote this down he wrote if you have eight or ten seconds before work he said eight or ten seconds. It's yeah. true. Right. <laughs> yeah. Eight or ten seconds. He was like, if you have eight or ten seconds before work, you know where to find me. <laughs> it's more horny what? teenager talk. <laughs> God, that was, like, I, she made the right second, choice just going to work. <laughs> yeah. The second ugh, that I made was that. Because that was like, because yeah, it was two notes after that that I wrote. It's six and a half minutes in, and I've already said ugh out loud three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. They're they're kind of like, um, <laughs> kind of like Morticia and what's his name? <laughs> oh, Gomez, yeah, super horny for each other. I don't know. I feel like that was that was more like th- they were more equally matched. Than these two, Morticia and Gomez, they're definitely better matched. But are you more accepting of it because they're they're darker humans? Because they're god. I don't (laughs) know. Um, No, I just mean that like they're equally as horny for each other. Whereas here, I feel like Alan Thicke is just trying to like hump his wife's leg the whole time, (laughs) and she's like, she's pretty into it. Like she's pretty into it like seventy five percent of the time. Yeah. And I, I feel like Morticia Gomez is, like, a, a more equal. Yeah. Know. Definitely more lustful. All right. Any other stuff about this show? 
Uh, one more thing about Morticia and Gomez Adams. That's not constant in the Adams family, you know. Whereas here, it's like I would say ninety percent of Jason's dialogue is him trying to fuck his wife. But well, part of what I thought was so that actually reminds me of something that I thought was weird, and maybe it's just because we only watched three episodes. But like most of this show takes place inside their house, we never mm-hmm. like go with them anywhere else. Yeah. So I think that would account for some of that at least. Like Morticia and Gomez leave the house sometimes and aren't <laughs> all over each other. <laughs> yeah, that's that is true. That's a good point. Um, but I did think it was weird that like we never like went to work with Maggie or to school with any of the kids. Um, I think that happens more in the later seasons because in the other episodes that I watched, I watched one where Mike and his girlfriend like skip school to go uh, try out for a Broadway play. Um, <laughs> and there were some school scenes there that and at some point in, an, I, in another episode that I watched, you do see uh, Maggie at her desk. So... I don't know. But it definitely does center on the house, even though yeah. there are little vignettes of outdoor life. <laughs> it goes into the driveway, guys, so there's a lot of driveway <laughs> scenes. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that might also just be a practical issue of building sets, why we never yeah. go places with them, but it is an interesting consideration. Yeah, and I think it's just interesting way to look at a family unit of, like, these people go out and live their individual lives and then all come back to this one shared reality, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I like thinking about it, like most of the sitcoms that we mentioned were all like that. Yeah. Fresh Prince is definitely that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, step Full by House step was, is like was that. that way. Full House. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't want to say this too literally, but I would love to be able to be the mother in a family like the Seavers, where I have kids who all have interests and really do love each other at the end of the day. And, you know, it, it, I think there is some something that I feel about how connected they all are, even if they bicker and have drama with one another. Yeah. Again, I don't want to say it too literally. I don't want to. I don't want that to be my life, but I do like. I think I was always drawn to, to the family dynamic, and I I still am. Mhm, that makes sense. I mean, I think especially if you come from a family that's like. Really not like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like oh, that yeah. looks nice. I wonder what that's like. Absolutely. Isn't it weird that, like, a lot of us were, like, latchkey kids without this kind of family, and no one ever made a show about it? Hmm. Yeah, that is really like, in this time interesting. Period. Yeah. I did mean, they not make a show about it, or did we just not watch it, or we're forgetting about it? I mean, it could, maybe they did make a bad show about it. Because I feel like watch. I feel like Hey Arnold, it's that show, yeah, right? Yeah, like, that you was get but that very was too little. Late. Yeah, we, that was like well, like I mean like in the eighties. No. no, it was later than that. I think it was ni- well, but even by then, like I was eight in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, 
Like, it was too late by then. You know, I already, like, had this, like, I feel like I was already othered. I was already othered by the time I was eight years old by watching these shows and being like, well, that's not my life. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I think, and I would venture to guess that a lot of kids our age were not in families like the Seavers either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that family, because even if you do have you know, your parents are still together and they like, they they love each other to a certain extent. And, you know, you have siblings and like, at least on paper, you're a close family. Like it's still, there's still this completely different kind of family. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's how it seems, seemed to me, um, coming from a, like a nuclear family that like on paper, loved each other mm-hmm. <laughs> which without going into further details it's like a weird thing to say but it's <laughs> hard to uh, articulate that I guess like there were probably shows that were more like kid focused where like mm-hmm. they were just about kids having adventures Although I can't think of any of them from this time period off the top of my head. I'm sure they existed. Where, like, just there was no focus at all on the adults. And, like, maybe that's what those were supposed to be. Rugrats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah to, to an extreme extent, sure. Yeah. Bobby's World. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby's World is a good didn't example. Bobby had, didn't Bobby have two good parents, though? But he was always in his own zone, riding his little trike yeah, around true. town, you know? I mean, at least that's how I remember it, but, but yeah, it totally wasn't, it wasn't about unsupervised children running the show and living their own lives together. And Pete and Pete, I think, too. Like, the, not to that same level that maybe Hey Arnold is, but, um, like, these children having very rich lives that, like, don't involve adults that much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and having these weird adventures I don't know does anyone's family love each other this much (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to say is anyone's family like this uh, devoid of meaningful conflict yeah does anybody know any nice families (laughs) (laughs) nice nice is not the right word you guys know what I mean yeah sure Um, I know a few but None of them are my own. <laughs> I yeah, feel I very I uncomfortable have... in like families that are like really super close and uh, I mean not necessarily like this because I don't know anyone whose family is like this, but I'm like uncomfortable in, in uh, happy family situations. <laughs> I just like now have dreams of marrying into one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that can be tricky though, because no, if sure. you, so like sometimes I feel like I was raised by wolves, and, um, like my boyfriend's family is very close and they all love each other very much and it's like really weird to me, <laughs> and it's it's like a little too intense and that's why like I said before we started recording I'm mm. trying to escape from Christmas this year. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But that just might be my problem. <laughs> no, I can, like, see... Like, I've never experienced 
that. But I can see how... Because I feel like that kind of behavior, if you're not used to it, you would have to learn it. You would have to mm-hmm. learn how to be that way and be around people who are that way. Yeah. I would I would agree with you. And I think that it is also very dependent on the family. Because I know some families who... Everybody gets together every week, maybe sometimes a few Mm -hmm. times a week, and everybody knows everything. Um, And then there are families who all totally love and support each other, but maybe aren't in each other's lives. And Mm -hmm. I can say from experience that my in-laws are, like, way super supportive, um, but it's not the kind of, okay, it's Tuesday night, everybody's coming for dinner. But they're so supportive in that when there's a really terrible photo of you and you have one eye closed and, like, broccoli in your tooth, it'll still end up on the fridge because they don't realize that you look ugly. (laughs) 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 Um, So, you know, there's different ways of interacting that can be, you know, like I said, more of a support love than just, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and people still bicker and get in each other's faces from time to time but it's not like okay well we haven't had our weekly chat come on over and sit on my lap and then i'll kiss you on the nose when we're done <laughs> which there's a lot of nose kissing on full house by the way is there i haven't watched it in a long yeah. time and i have to say uncle jesse was my first celebrity crush um <laughs> Possibly yeah, my first he's crush really ever. Dreamy. Yeah, so I was always. This is. Let me not. Let me even not say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go right no, no. ahead. No, you this do. is recorded. This is on the internet forever. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that song that he would sing, that he sang at his and Becky's wedding. Forever. And yes, <laughs> and it's like the most romantic song in the whole world. <laughs> And I always used to hope that he would be, like, really washed up by the time I got old enough to get married so that I could hire him to sing it at my wedding. That's really funny. But he's still pretty famous. He is, and he he's, is. he's on Greek yogurt commercials, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's uh, also he's still new. really hot. He has and still does sometimes tour with the Beach Boys, and I wonder if uh, his appearance... Uh, in Kokomo um, and that being on TV a lot for me as a kid is where my like irrational love of the Beach Boys comes from Mm. all John Stamos' fault it could be it could be because there's no other explanation (laughs) (laughs) I mean you couldn't just like the Beach Boys (laughs) oh definitely not they're definitely not one of the best bands of all time (laughs) But as a kid growing up in the 80s, you might not have had as much ready exposure to the Beach Boys. Right. Yeah. I can assure you there was no Jason Seaver crushes on my end as a child, though. <laughs> He's a good-looking One of my roommates kept um, pointing out how much Alan Thicke sounds like Nathan Fillion. Which oh, is so true. Once you hear it, you can't so. unhear it. Yeah, now that you point that out, that is true. I used to hate the sound of Alan Thicke's voice, though. Like, it was like nails on a blackboard to me, and I don't know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's interesting. I guess this means I have to hate Nathan Fillion now, too. No, how could you ever do that? <laughs> Alright. Well, you guys, um, 
sing the theme song with me. Oh, wait, hang on. I just want to listen to it real quick just so I can get the melody back. I do also. I do also. Can you play it so we can all hear it? Can we hear it? Uh, How does technology work? Oh, so we're not going to be able to sing it and be synced up, though, are we? Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Hang on. (laughs) Are you really interested in that much post-production work? Yeah, it's fine. How much are they paying you at the Cage Club, Cage Club pod ne- <laughs> Podcast Network? Ooh, don't... One million dollars per podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, oh. I'm not saying it very well. Okay. Oh, season- it's different every season. Yeah, because there's as it gets further along, it's a longer song, and there's a whole other verse in there. So it's really interesting that you talked about having this really visceral reaction to the theme song because I too have a visceral reaction, which is to dance. Oh like, wow! <laughs> there's just something about it that I'm like. <laughs> I wish I could see what dance you're doing. Um, yeah, and I just like can't control myself. <laughs> I just want to cry and like hug someone when I watch it. <laughs> Kara, could you describe the dance a little bit so we can just um, picture it? It's like uh, I'm moving from side to side, and there's hands involved, and my head is bopping from side to side <laughs> also. But, right. like, it's kind of, I don't know, hard to explain. I think a boomerang video needs to go on <laughs> Wistful Thinking's <laughs> Instagram account. Uh, we could each make one of ourselves dancing to the... Mm-hmm. No, mine's going to be of me sobbing, I told you. <laughs> oh, wait, no, yours will just be crying and hugging somebody. No, that's even funnier. <laughs> and it's not, like, sad crying, it's just, like, emotional crying. Oh, I yeah. know. I understand. I yeah. cry during commercials a lot. <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, a similar kind of, like, why am I having this reaction? It's, it's just, there's something about the melody, it's the... Whatever notes they picked out to throw together, just they knew it would have struck a chord in some very emotional human beings, such as myself. <laughs> I was. It's also like one of the most memorable themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like maybe. I mean, well, again, for me. I didn't really for watch the too. show, but to me, I hear it, and I'm also hearing. Um, Believe it or not, I'm walking in it. <laughs> you know, it's like basically the same song. And like I said before, it's also like a parody of an 80s family sitcom song. So I'm hearing like a lot of different things when I hear the song. I can I can hear that. Although yeah. I don't, I only know the George Costanza version anymore. Right. Like Believe that, too. that ruined it for me. At home. Yeah. So I'm also hearing that when I hear this too. <laughs> Where could I be? Believe, Believe it, or, it not, or not, I'm not, I'm not home. home. Yeah. So, I'm ready to sing this song whenever you guys are, even though I don't know the words at all. Someone pick the key. Um. Or the I first don't know how note. Music works. Pick the first note, <laughs> so we know. Wait. Uh. I can maybe. None of us can really sing, I mean, right? So we're just gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna hang up. What if you could play it so we know where it starts? Can you hear that? Yeah. It's fading in and out. I can't hear it. Yeah, um, I'm like trying to play it through my headphones and into the microphone. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of labor. 
Yeah, it's not. Is it? Really how you're... Is it? Show me that smile again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you you got it. Start us off again, Des. You're gonna edit out all your voices and make me sing this song <laughs> by myself. <laughs> I don't trust you two. Oh, we would never. Never. That's too much work. <laughs> that's a fair point. I'm a bad editor. That's too much work. I was gonna say how. I can start. If you want me to start. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right, ready. <laughs> Do 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 we got each other. We got each other. Sharing laughter and love. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I think we nailed it. I think we're gonna win a Grammy. <laughs> I think this needs to be just cut um, somewhere at like 126. <laughs> I'm going to use this to open the episode, guys. Oh, please don't. Mm, I think you should probably leave it at the end. <laughs> Play us out <laughs> with this. Because uh, I think if you open the episode that way, people may turn it off immediately. Yeah, no, that's true. We want to trick them into listening. And then hit them with... It's good. <laughs> It's really good. Thank you. I'm pretty proud of that. Just feel free to edit it out, though. Just saying. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how much I hate it. It's because it's going to be so hard to sync us all up. We were all... all... Oh, see, we're already synced. That's the thing. That's the whole part with the clapping. and. No, we, we really didn't sing that very synced at all. No. <laughs> very bad. It's, it's word salad, as Jordan... <laughs> Described to me once. It's, I know it's related <laughs> to a different issue, but I, song salad. Song salad. It was like a, um. What do you call it when like a cannon? Like when someone starts and then someone else. Starts. Oh right, 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 right. Or like but in like, a round. A really bad one. Yeah. Well, it's you know. Again, I'm, I won't be sad if it doesn't end up in the final recording. See, now I'm crying <laughs> because this has just been hilarious and whenever people sing together I always get really emotional even when we sound like we just did with yep. all all at all different points of the song it's just you know working together and singing together <laughs> I just I get really moved by it wow that's amazing yeah you should and see I've me also experienced that watching anything that involves more than two people dancing <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling it's oh, just so overwhelming to me. Wow. I am honored yeah. to be part of such an emotional experience with you two. Yeah. I can't believe this is the first time I've cried on the podcast. Do you cry on your other podcasts? No, shockingly, no. Hmm. Which is also something that I find really, really surprising. Because, like, of all the podcasts, that should be the podcast that I cry on. And I don't think I, have, I ever have. I've gotten Just choked up your... a few times, like while interviewing people, like and like mm-hmm. hearing them talk about their experience, but never like a full, a full cry. 
Wow. Next time when it starts happening, just ask them to sing with you. Yeah, you're right. That would <laughs> that would definitely make it happen. You could both have a good cathartic cry together. See, this is what's been happening. The last several days is that like anytime my brain gets quiet, I just hear that start happening again. I I rotate back and forth between this and Charles in Charge. Oh yeah, that those are the two that I mix up. Yeah, yeah, because it's also the exact same song. Yeah, for sure. If you've ever seen Scrubs, oh sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna say that on Scrubs, um, uh, what's his name? Ted, the goofy lawyer. He's in a barbershop quartet that sings Charles in Charge. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to hear a barbershop version of Charles in Charge, you know where to find it. Um... I looked up the guy who sang this, the theme. His best known recordings are of the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Okay. And a classic. The original, and the original version of Hooked on a Feeling. Oh, wow. also a classic. Yeah, so he's like a big deal. See, you put you put this one, the quiet one, at the beginning, and then hit on. All right. Do you think we can get through the whole thing quietly? No, I don't. (laughs) I'm gonna laugh, and you're gonna cry. (laughs) (laughs) Wistful thinking podcast. Oh my God, Jordan, that should be our theme song. We should just take the theme of whatever we watch that week and just sing, sing it wistful too. thinking to it. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good idea. Oh, wait, hang on. Let me think about Jurassic Park's theme for a second. Oh, how does it go? I keep thinking of Star Wars. Yeah, oh, me too. I, can never get it right. I just thought of Star Wars as well. I just, I just have to hear it just for a second. Jog my memory. <laughs> oh, wait. Before you do Jurassic Park, wistful thinking. Whistful thinking. Uh, Whistful thinking. Whistful thinking. Whistful thinking. This definitely is going to work. You're welcome. I'll take my producer's credit. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I figured out Jurassic Park. Okay. Whistful thinking. Whistful (laughs) thinking. Whistful thinking. Whistful thinking. I think this is going to work. Yeah. I think we did it. <laughs> it is also. Yeah. Okay, what else have we done? Um, um, I don't remember. It's like we do these episodes and then they immediately disappear from my brain. I forget so many of You them, did Casper. So. I don't think that has a song. Um, well, they have Wistful Thinking Podcast. Because, you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost song. Oh, Yeah. Kind of. I can't. I it's not very memorable. The net doesn't have a song. I did a Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh, yeah, but which one? Um. Wistful thinking. Wistful <laughs> thinking. 
Sha la 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 wistful thinking da 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 wistful thinking wow wow I think that would also work <laughs> Or uh, wistful thinking wistful thinking thinking wistful thinking wistful thinking Yeah that's the one it's definitely that one None of this can be on the show please <laughs> This is just wistful banter Oh the Pete and Pete theme song Ah, yeah, 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 wistful thinking. It has like a few too many so syllables, but I think you can make it work. Way, 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 wistful thinking. Mm. I don't know about that. Oh, wait, Puff the Magic Dragon. Uh, Wist, the wistful thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. Wist. By the sea. <laughs> Anywhere that wistful thinking went. <laughs> In a land called Cage Club Network. <laughs> Little Joey Lewandowski. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Outro. Okay. I could do this all night, guys. <laughs> Kara, before I do the outro, is there something you want to say? Yeah, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to some of the other shows here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Uh, you can find all of them, of course, at cageclub.me. Um, but uh, the guys of P.S. I Love Hoffman, the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast, always have really nice things to say about our show. And so uh, you should go listen to them. Their show is also good. Great, even. Maybe. Uh, their show is also great. Just stick with the their show is also great. <laughs> Alright, that does it for Growing Pains. Uh, Desiree is a food photographer and recipe writer who you can find on Instagram at What's in Season with Des and at Wooden Spoon Studio. Uh, her photos are really, really awesome. You should definitely check them out. And we will see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.